Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. what God's doing in our church at the moment. Anyone? It's, um, it's quite incredible, really, isn't it? It's, um, it's so, so amazing that God is, is just turning up with His presence in such an incredible way in all our services. And if you're new here, you're, you, you know, you haven't been a Christian long, let me just explain that you're in a church, you've come to a church, you found yourself in a church here this morning that is about the reality of God. Uh, as Pastor Julie was saying uh, this morning, that God is real. That's a big revelation to get your head around sometimes. And I think even as Christians, sometimes we, we uh, forget to come to that realization that God is real and He is who He says He is. And, um, and that you found a church that is, that is so hungry to see God move. And I don't know where you're at at life, but uh, the thing I love about God is that there's always more available uh, for whatever you have, wherever you are, whatever you're, you're facing right now, uh, you know, whether you're a bit dissatisfied with where you are, whether you're, you know, you had some hopes, but maybe they weren't realized and, uh, you know, you had all these dreams or maybe you're just stuck and life isn't all you thought maybe it could be and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But, but with God, there's always more. And, and we're in a church that is trying to get people all the time to realize there's more if you want to reach out and grab a hold of it and go for it. And, um, and, 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 and so we're hungry to see God move, you know. We're not hungry to just come here and, and do the religious motions of church and, 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 and tickle our, you know, ears with nice speaking and, and nice worship. And, and, you know, this is part, of, you know, taking time out of our life on a Sunday to do the church thing and then we go back to our life and, and do that. No, 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 God... I just, I've just got this overwhelming sense that God wants to get involved in the earth in such an incredible way. Um, and he wants uh, there to be Christians on earth that have the fire of God on the inside and a passion on the inside that actually call out to God uh, and allow him to have his way in this planet. Because God doesn't want to be a, a passive spectator on the earth. He didn't design it and then say, well, all the best to you. Have a great time. Leave you to it. Um, he doesn't want you to live your life uh, separate to Him and just do your work, do your job and, you know, pay the bills and do the family thing and, and, and do life and then a little bit of God on the side. No, God wants to, I believe God wants to invade every aspect of your world, every aspect of our church and every aspect, in fact, of our society. And, um, and so when God starts turning up into a, into a situation, it's not just so you can feel nice, right? Because I think we're talking about the anointing at church. We're talking about the anointing. And that can be a little bit mystical at times, can't it? The term, the anointing. It's like a little bit, um, you know, what's this? And we've had some great teaching in the past few weeks about what that is. And we've experienced it in a great way. And just to remind you and refresh your memory, the, the anointing is the, the yoke destroying, the burden removing power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power, in short, it's the power of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to pour out into, uh, I believe, this planet. Uh, and there's greater levels 
of that being available than what you're experiencing right now, let me assure you. Let me assure you right now. What God is doing on this planet, there is so much more that He wants to do in, in, in pouring out His anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit to invade. And I am convinced that this world is in such a desperate need of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was just watching, flicked off a movie the other day and, and that show RBT came on. And I don't know um, if you've seen that, but it's pretty atrocious. It's just like, uh, you know, just, <laughs> it's just like, I think it's supposed to be funny, but also scary. I don't really know, but it's like just, you know, goes along and tells the story of police officers as they charge people for drinking under the influence. And, and you know, in your natural ego, man, this is just absolutely hilarious. But then once your spiritual side kicks in, you go, man, this is really sad. And I started going from laughing, going, my gosh, look at this person. They're, they're, you know, they're, you know, can't even walk. Anyway, and to then going, man, this is sad. This is like broken people just like, reaching the end of themselves, breaking down. And, and I'm convinced that, that our world needs the power of the Holy Spirit without a shadow of a doubt and that it's available to us. And, um, and so, like I was saying, that God doesn't just start showing up with His presence to, so you can feel goosebumps so, or that you can feel a nice heat on your body or you can go, oh, that felt so amazing uh, in the service. Didn't, you just feel, didn't that just feel so amazing? No, no, no. That is not the purpose of the power of the Spirit. It's just so you feel nice and have a nice feeling. It's a great bonus. We need to be filled up. I mean, how, how good is it coming in and, and getting filled up by God and, and getting a fresh touch of, of Him? And, you know, when we go out and we expend all our energy and then we're dry and we come into the house of God and the Word of God's into us and the presence of God's into us, that's fantastic. But if it stays at that, that's a pretty selfish Christianity, if I might say pretty selfish Christianity if it's just about how we feel. Um, That's not what Jesus died for, and it's not why he poured out his spirit on all flesh for. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit is so that our world can be influenced. The the, the reason that God wants to touch your life with the power of God is so that you would be charged up on the inside with a passion and a faith that will literally affect every area of your world, that everyone you come across, that everywhere you go, that you influence it in a way that brings a positive shift uh, for God. Um, you know, imagine if you had your electricity hooked up in your house, but you never used anything. You just said, you know, oh, it's hooked up. That feels good to get it all hooked up. Jeff did a great job getting that, you know, together. But, but then you sit in the dark and you have a cold shower all the time. And, you know, you've still got the esky and the ice to put your food in. Like, it, it doesn't make sense, does it? Same as that, when we come to church and we're getting empowered by the Holy Spirit, it is, it is crazy to think that we would just get that connection and then not put it into practice and not have anything come of that. And so I'm just, trying, I'm just shooting the breeze for a little bit before I get what I'm, I want to say because I want to give you some context about it. And this is what I love about our church. This has always been a church of the Spirit of God, that we are... Yeah, we try and do things uh, well, and we're always trying to plan and, and, um, and, and guide things and make things so, you know, it feels good and it's, you know, pleasant and there's minimal distractions. But, um, but planning meetings don't change anything. Prayer meetings change anything. Prayer, Phil Pringle said that the other day. Planning meetings don't build the church. Planning meetings don't change people's lives. Prayer meetings do that. And so, so this has always been a church that is about seeing God move and, and you know, that's why we, we, if God was calling us through that, 
Pastor Julie would have just worshipped the whole morning this morning. I love it that we're open to, to saying, God, what do you want to do? Um, if you just want to go through the motions, then there's probably another nice, neater church for you down the road. But for us, we want to be open to what God wants to do. We don't want to shut him down. We want to say, God, we're just so hungry for you to get involved that, you know, whatever you want to do. And, and I love that about our church. I remember when I, I, got, I got saved in a moment. So if you look throughout history, there's been moments in time where God has increased his level of anointing, the power of God that he has poured out uh, in across the earth, to the point where when you, if you study at C3 College, you'll do a class called History of Revivals, and you'll go through and you'll look at the different times over history where God has visited earth in a powerful, powerful way. Um, and I got saved on the end of, you know, one of those moments in time where um, this church was radical, you know, just incredible things going on. I remember we would go to, for four-hour services, that was on the tail end, because it used to go longer than that, I know, but when I got uh, saved and I met Jesus, the, church, the service would go till 1.30, so 9.30 till 1.34 hours, and you didn't even notice it. Like, you just wouldn't even, like, I remember being, I'm a new Christian, and we'd already been wor- worshipping for one hour, and I'm there, and Pastor Phil gets up to wrap it up, which he always had trouble doing, um, but... But, but I didn't want him to. I'm like, don't do it. No, 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 no. Let's just keep going. This is amazing. It's like 1.30 and it's like, oh, well, we better close the service. Like, no, no, no. Look, come on, let's keep going. Like, it's, you know, when God is there, and if you're new and you haven't experienced something like that, it might not sound that fun. But let me guarantee you that when God is in the midst, it is the most incredible thing going around. Um, when you do that for the sake of it, then we're talking about people falling asleep and going insane. But... When God's there, there is no better feeling, no better power than, than the power of the Holy Spirit, which is such a very real power in this world. You've got to know that there's the power of hell and the power of God that are both trying to have their way on this planet. They're both very real. You know, um, it's very easy in our culture to just think it's a bit of a neutral playing field. We're just sort of, you know, yeah, God's doing stuff over here and hell's doing stuff maybe there and... But we're just in this neutral field where we're, you know, just enjoying life and we have it pretty easy. But I hate to break it to you, that's not the case, whether you like it or not. And at some point, you've got to uh, understand that there's this battle between, between God, good and evil, just like all the stories say, just like, uh, you know, Superman that I watch, Man of Steel, Man of Steel, there's this thing between good and evil. And, and you know, sometimes we can get carried away talking about it, but it's so very real, whether you think about it or not. Jesus said... I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Shows me that there's powers of hell. Acts 10.38 says, You've heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power to heal all who, who were oppressed under the power of the devil. So there's the power of God and there's the power of the devil. And, um, you know, the power of the devil isn't always as obvious as, as we'd like to think, you know, about you know, just death and destruction, but often it's about apathy and distraction and, and all sorts of stuff. But, but God's heart, and, and he, is, he said that I'm going to build my church and the powers of hell will not prevail against it. So there is an ability for us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, live a life empowered by that as individuals, but also I want to look at this morning about uh, as a church. That I think this is a church that is going to be empowered together, united uh, that is going to be doing some significant things for the kingdom of heaven. And so 
this morning I want to look at, I guess, just one aspect about how we see God move. And, and you know, even God is doing something incredible right now. And, and even Oxford Falls at prayer meeting, um, Mark Kelsey got up on Wednesday and he said, you know, I think we're on the brink of a move of God. God is just stirring uh, things and, and, and there's a, a revival of prayer and salvations and healings. And this guy from Silverwater got up who's, um, and just told all these stories of healings that, that he's encountered. And, and it's powerful. God is, is on the move. But um, I guess I just want to ask you quickly before I tell you how we can get there and how we can increase that. Because I think if, if we don't honor what God is pouring out on us, then he'll probably maybe withdraw it a little bit at some stage until we really want it again. He sort of gives us a little taster and says, you know, if you want this, this is what's on offer, but even more so, um, will you come and seek me out for it? And so um, I want to ask you this morning, what, what do you want out of church life? What do you want out of God? What do you see for your region? Is, does your heart break for your region? Or are you pretty happy with your life, how it's going, that occasionally you think about the region you live in, occasionally you think about your unsaved friends and family, do you have the time to seek God in a way that, that, that lingers in his presence, in a way that would, he, would, he would be moved by? Do you have time for that? Do you have time for that? Do we have time for that? Like because, because, um, because there's this sort of, there's got to be birthed on the inside of us a hunger for that to start. There's got to be this uh, thing on the inside. We could keep coming up to church week after week and, and just enjoy the nice touch and, and rely on Pastor Phil and Julie to come up and stir us up. And then we go, yeah, cool, this is great. And God comes and that's fantastic. But God wants to get his power out of the pulpit into the pews and equip the people, not just the pastors, a lot of peace, to, to encounter him and get out and, and do some cool stuff. And so I'm, you know, for about a year or two, I sort of, you know, Sometimes we, people can have a revival headache. You might not know what that means if you're just a new person, but, you know, for long-timers, uh, you know, where you sort of, I was a bit scarred by the term for a while. I was like, you know, oh, revival, yeah, you know. We don't. I just got to a point where I felt like our society was so dry and so unspiritual that I was like, man, forget everything that I've thought about past-time moves of God. We need something fresh, but something real, and something powerful, and, and I honestly believe that our culture needs something to wake us up uh, to the things of the Spirit, to bring a bit of spirituality in such a carnal place, and I think God is just looking for a people who will do that, so that's what I want to share about. Is that all right? Um, so, so I think the, one of the, the key thing, and something that God's been stirring my heart about for, for probably a couple of months actually longer, is prayer. And our prayer is, is I think, the, the, one of the absolute key ingredients to seeing God move on this earth. And I remember, you know, uh, I, you know, I have been through a really busy few years and it feels like no one's getting less busy. Uh, I think if we ask who's busy in here, I think uh, everyone would vie to say how they're busier than everyone else. And you always see people whinging about how busy they are and assuming you're not that busy, as busy as them. And, and so I went through a busy time and, and I remember, you know, I, I think I heard a message or something about encouraging people to get up and pray, get up early and pray. And I'm like, I can't, I, I go drive to Sydney, I leave at 6.30 in the morning and by the time I get up and do this and do that and, 
I don't have time to put aside time to pray. So what I do, I, I, this is me in the past, what I do, I pray in the car. This is my prayer time. I pray in the car. I've got an hour dry, tra, uh, trip and, and I pray and that's my prayer time. And that's cool. And, and I felt really justified in that. I felt really like that was significant. And I was like, you know, an hour of prayer. And I'm still praying in the car. Like, I'm not d- denying that that's legit. Like, you can pray in the car. That's good. Good to do. Don't, don't, um, don't worry about that. But, um, but, but what happened, I, I sort of realized, I just felt God, when I, when I said I don't have time to do anything but that, I felt God just challenge me. And, and I'm not one of saying God said this, God said that, but I really felt God just challenge me saying, well, if you don't have time for that, then what do you think is going to happen? Like, is God, is God really going to move if I don't even have time to pray, if I don't have time to put time aside to just be with God and to, and to let him uh, shift my heart and to help me, you know, shift things in my world through the power of prayer? If I don't have time for that, then then what do I expect is going to happen? Do I honestly expect God to move in my life and in the life of my church if I'm saying I don't really have time to designate time to pray? Um, and so, you know, I, sort of this whole thing that I'm sharing about this morning has come out of a bit of that. And then, you know, I've been inspired. Pastor Phil Pringle's talking a lot at Oxford Falls about prayer and share a few stories about that later. I thought I didn't have much to say this morning, and I sort of hasn't started, and time's running out. But um, but we'll get there. And so, so, so this has sort of come out of out of that. And this is what I felt. Just let me just get straight to the point and say, when I was praying about about this, I've been wanting to talk to you about prayer for a long time. And and I, when I was on roster, I was like, I just knew that this was a time to talk about prayer. And and I thought, God, what is it that you want to say to your church? And um, as I tell you that, why don't you turn to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read a story from uh, the life of Daniel, who was an incredible man, incredible man, um, with incredible influence. And this is what I felt God say. I felt God say that the, the devil has tried to shut the mouth of Christians. And, um, you know, that might play, apply to a whole lot of contexts, but uh, just in our context, you know what I mean, and in my life. I feel like God has tried to shut the mouth of the voice of prayer in the life of Christians and in our church even. Um, you know, I used to go, when I, when I came to church, we would be praying uh, when, when God was moving in a, in a you know, really great way. I'd come and we'd come an hour before and the back room would be full of people just, just like roaring prayer. It's like, you know, the Kansas, I'm sure, there and the, the I can't remember who was there, but I'm sure the Kansas and the Phillipses and the Flannerys and... And just a roar of prayer. And I remember having mid, um, prayer meetings midweek where all sorts of prophetical acts would happen. Who loved the prophetical acts of the past? Where we'd like run around the hall, uh, like running around Jericho. And I'm just a new Christian at a prayer meeting. Like, come on, guys, let's run around the hall. I'm running around the hall going, what are we doing? Why am I running around this hall? And, and then it's like, come on, let's shout now. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know why I'm shouting, but it's pretty powerful. And, um, and but... But that's the spirit behind it, you know. And, and, and I would much rather take some craziness that I don't really understand, but that has power in it, than just being really calm and collected and, and, and a bit tame and, you know, oh, you know, let's not get a bit too radical and, and having no power. Uh, so I'd much rather do that. And so when I, when I felt God say that, he tried to shut them out of the Christians, I, I was reminded of Daniel, the book of Daniel in um, chapter 6, verse 1, and story of Daniel in the lion's den. Let's just read uh, 
Can we read a few passages together? Can we read like the first 12 together and then I'll tell you the rest? Is that all right? So Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, it pleased, and, <laughs> anyway, uh, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Now, <laughs> anyway, personal joke, but Evan and I, when we were in class, I had to read out this passage and satrap. I didn't even know what a satrap was. It felt weird. It was an awkward moment. Everyone laughed at me. But uh, I now know what a satrap is. Uh, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the, whole king, uh, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now I don't know, do we have that picture um, that I sent through it all? Just to give you some context, what was the, what was the kingdom that Daniel said? So there's, there's 120 um, satraps, which is a province, a leader of a whole province. So there's 120 provinces. Um, Daniel was one of three who looked after all of that, and he was about to get the, the head job over all of it. This is the, the, the empire of Persia. It, was, uh, it included a little bit. I'm not getting too teachy this morning, but I just want to chuck in a little bit to get a bit of context. Um, 44% of the world's population was in that empire. 50 million people. This is not, you can read this story and go, oh yeah, just Daniel heading up a couple of people in the, in the old days. This was like the, the, the empire of the time, one of the greatest empires in the history of the world. And this guy was so uh, influential that he was about to get the, the nod to oversee 50 million people on behalf of the king, uh, which I think is absolutely incredible. So just to give you some context with that, let's keep reading from verse 4. That says, so, so um, yeah, so he's exceptional quality. He was so good that the king said, look, over everyone, Daniel, you're the guy. You're the guy that I want to, to oversee all these people. And so it says that this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So they got jealous. They're like, oh, stupid Daniel. And, they, and, 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 and let's read on for a sec. They could find no corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy uh, and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What a man of integrity. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put this decree in writing so that no one can, can, um, can pray to any god or any human except for the king. And then I love what it says here, and then we'll just finish off with these few verses. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room uh, where the window opens towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. And so the story, rest of the story goes that, you know, the king isn't happy about it. He loves Daniel, but gets thrown into the lion's den. And, 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 and powerful things happen for this man who prays. Incredible things happen for this man who prays. 
instead of shutting his mouth, he, he opens his mouth, and, and he was in a situation where those things that were trying to come against him, their mouth was shut. The, the mouth of the lions, it says, was shut. And, and, and then he comes out and the king gets saved. We could read on and on, but we're running out of time about the king going, oh my gosh. And then he ends up putting an edict saying that everyone needs to worship this God of Daniel's. This is in a, in a kingdom, in an empire like this, such a secular place. There is this man of prayer that has such an influence that miracles happen, that salvations happen, that people turn to God just because of this one man who says, you know what, I'm going to pray. And, you know, I don't know if that feels like you in here today, that your mouth has been shut in prayer. But I feel like God is saying, come on, church, we need to open our mouth in prayer. It's not time for us to shut our mouth and listen to those that are trying to, which is the devil and, and circumstances of life and our flesh saying, come on, shut that mouth of prayer. It's unimportant. It's too hard. You're too busy. There's a whole bunch of reasons that people stop praying. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, maybe you're... Maybe you're uh, just got saved and maybe you've got fear, a bit of fear on the inside. You know, I remember not wanting to pray around people and, and not wanting to pray and, and, and it was getting a bit awkward. You know, God wants to just break that off our life, fear of what people think, fear of what your friends are going to think. Oh, maybe my unsaved friends won't, won't like it that I'm praying or maybe my family won't understand. Man, I, I don't know, just pray. God wants us to open our voice in prayer. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you have prayed. Maybe you've prayed a, a lot in the past, but God hasn't maybe broken through like you thought there was. But I'm telling you what, God wants to break the discouragement of unanswered prayer from your life and, put, and bring you into a new place of prayer where you can, you can pray, believe Him again. Faith can rise up on the inside. Um, you know, maybe it's just apathy is a big one for us. You know, as I said before, we're busy. But I think if Daniel was in this room, he would hands down win the busiest man award, overseeing 50 million people. I don't oversee five people, uh, you know, in my workplace. Uh, and I feel busy. Daniel, overseeing 50 million people, yet still, this guy finds time to pray. And prayer is not, let me tell you, prayer is not a matter of your busyness. It has no relation to that. It only matters to your priority. If you place a priority and a value on prayer, you'll make time to pray. I, to pray. I, had to, I had to plan out every minute of my day. I literally sat down with a spreadsheet and planned out every minute of my day because there were so many things to do of of keeping fit, uh, as you can tell, and, um, and staying married and, and having wife time and, and working hard so I'm not, you know, getting in strife with my workplace and building the church and seeing C3 Tugger go to a new level and, and, and just chilling out and studying and reading so I can feel that part of my thing. It's like so much to do and so little time. I need to actually sit down and plan that out. If you value something, you'll make a way to make it happen. I guarantee you. And so, so often our prayer life is a, is a good illustration of our value that we place and our hunger of how we see, uh, of how much we want God to move into, in our world and in our church and, and in our life. Uh, and and, and let, me tell you, let me just say this. This is one of the key things I want to say. Uh, I've got a quote here. It's not prayer that is just words. It's not prayer that is quick. It's not your, it's not your, your 30 second drive through that moves God. It's a lingering, persistent, hungry, heartfelt cry that comes out of us, that shifts us, moves heaven, and pushes back hell. Is that the sort of prayer that you're praying? That's not the sort of prayer I was praying in my car. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I, there's a type of pray, prayer that happens in my car 
but it wasn't shifting me, it wasn't moving heaven, and it certainly wasn't pushing back hell. I don't think hell was too scared of my prayers that I was saying, you know. And, and, and that, that type of prayer, see, this isn't an expos- uh, teach on prayer. There is, we would need the, the year to teach about the different types of prayer, the different ways prayer changes this world of, through us and people and, and powers and principalities. And, and it, it's just unlimited. This is, I'm not trying to give you a, a lesson on prayer, but I just know this, that that there's a prayer, and there's all different types of prayers, and that's good when you're just walking with God, or you're lying on your bed, and you're just like, God, oh, thank you for today, and you know, you're so good. But there is a prayer that shifts. There is a prayer that shifts you. And uh, I tell you, when you're just doing your, your soft little prayer, nothing's shifting you on the inside. You barely believe your own prayers. You're praying it, but you're not really sure that, they're, that God's really hearing them. You're not really even praying them to God sometimes. You're just praying them, and you, you're doing your Christian duty and, um, and whatever, but, but it's not shifting anything. And so there's a type of prayer that gets on the inside of us, that shifts us into a place of faith, but also then when we corporately gather, shifts us together into a place. And then that's when we're talking about the church doing incredible things and being a, a mighty force. And that's when you'll find yourself influencing your neighbors and, and having faith to believe God and laying hands on the sick and, and actually believing that something might happen and, 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 you know, this sort of thing because prayer precedes power. We see that in, in, the, in the book of Acts uh, and, and in Luke. Jesus said in, in Luke 24, 49, do not wait in the city and do not leave until you've been clothed with power. And they knew, they'd been around Jesus enough to know that, that what happens before that? Prayer. They'd seen him withdraw to places to pray. They'd seen him pray enough to know that it says in Acts 1.14 that they joined together constantly in prayer. They were united in prayer. And so when Jesus said, wait till you're clothed with power, they said, okay, what do we do? We pray. And, we, and so there's this principle in the Word of God that if you want power to flow through your life, then you need to have prayer that comes before that. We need to be like water that conducts the power of heaven. We don't want to be big blocks of rubber that just sit on earth, that God's like trying to zap, going, come on, come on. And it's just pff, nothing, can't feel anything. God wants us to come alive on the inside. He wants us to be this conductor that the power of heaven can flow through to reach into people's lives. Um, and, and, you know, we see this. We could turn, we could, you know, we're, we're out of time, but we could turn the next hour into a history lesson and look at the times in the past, you know, the first church, church move of God where the people, as I just mentioned, were joined together in prayer. Uh, we could talk about Charles Spurgeon who had the biggest church of his time. And, and puts that down to, and he, and he gave credit to the 400 intercessors in the basement of the church, praying day and night. What sort of prayer is that? We've got 400 people in your church just praying day and night, all the time, crying out to God. We talk about Evan Roberts and the Welsh Revival, who, who prayed for 10 years. One guy prayed for 10 years for God to move in his nation. And finally, he did. And, and, and 100,000 people were saved in nine months. 100,000 people, third of the Central Coast, coming to Christ in nine months because of prayer. It says that he was, Evan Roberts was known as a man of prayer above anything else. You know, I, um, Phil, Pastor Phil Pringle has been coming back. He just went to Korea where there's, they fill an 80,000-seat stadium with, uh, as a prayer meeting. And, um, and people just coming together to pray. And they have... Uh, a leaders' prayer meeting in, in Seoul, Korea. It was the biggest church in the world. I think it still is, isn't it? Well, close to. It's you know, a fair few hundred thousand people, 600,000, 800,000, something like that. And 
And they have a prayer meeting for leaders every morning at 5 a.m. Then they have a church prayer meeting every morning at 7 a.m. They have a whole mountain called Prayer Mountain for people to go and pray. And, um, and, and you know, and Cho just talks all the time, the pastor of the church, about how prayer is a thing that, that has seen God move. And, and Pastor Phil saw, um, Pringle saw, met one guy, he goes, you come to this 5 a.m. prayer meeting every day? He's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. He goes, well, where do you live? Oh, here. How far away is that? Oh, an hour and a half. It's this guy travels at 3 30 a.m. And, and, and I, I, you know, that's unrealistic for, for us, you know what I mean? And, and, and Ro- Evan Roberts is prayed eight hours a day. And, you know, we have, I, I understand, but, but it still stirs my heart that maybe we can gather once a week. <laughs> maybe we can gather once a week for an hour to pray. You know what I mean? Maybe we can pray in our connect group for half an hour. Maybe we can, we, maybe we can get up and just pray for 15 minutes when we're at home. There's got to be something that shifts. When I was in Kong He's church in Singapore, I'll never forget the experience of being there, sitting in the front row, and the meeting leader got up, and he said, all right, church, let's pray. Then he puts the mic down, he just started praying, and there was this roar throughout the auditorium, 8,000 people. Don't think it was just 8,000 people just praying quietly. It was a massive venue as well, so it was a lot of noise to fill up. Just a roar of prayer, a roar of prayer. In, the, in this um, prayer meeting in Korea with you know, 80,000 people, they were praying one of the people brought back a report that people were praying in the spirit with strength after five hours of prayer, of continuous praying. We need this stamina of prayer. When we think of that, I go, not even, you know, and this isn't a guilt trip. It's not a guilt trip. Which talking about prayer is often a guilt trip. Seems like a guilt trip because we are often unsatisfied, but it's not. It's just this thing that surely our love for God, if we have a hunger that to, to see God move, surely we can pray. Let me just read that quote that I was going to get to. It says this, and band, you can come up and join us. The half-hearted prayer receives nothing from God. Hunger and thirst for God needs to fill our prayers. Without a passion for God, our prayer life degenerates to just the fulfillment of religious obligations, lacking any real heart. We become those whose lips honor Him, but whose hearts are far from Him. Man, isn't that incredible when we pray without any passion, when we pray just a, yeah, God, you know, bless the day, you know, cool, whatever, you know, three bags full, nothing shifts. And, and I'm not expecting that we would come into a place where we can pray in the Spirit for five hours with strength right now. But I am proposing to you that we enter into a place as a church that we, we honor what God is doing in our midst. And we say, God, we're so thankful that you're turning up and you're, and you're blessing us. But God, we want to we wanna, we wanna pursue you. There's always the, you know, the if of prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray then. If my people pray then. And I would love to be an if people, a people that, that God can find, that would say, God, I want to stir my stamina for prayer again. I want to push past my feelings. You know, it's, it's very practical things in prayer. And, and if you come to a prayer meeting at church, then you'll, you'll, you'll learn. I learned to pray from Pastor Phil just by listening to Pastor Phil, him teaching us and encouraging us. And I'm um, really quickly, I'm going to start a prayer meeting on Friday mornings. Again, maybe 7 a.m. so people can get there after, before work. I'd love for you to join every Friday. It's going to start it next week and, uh, and start praying. And as we just... You know, start being, you know, people that, that, will, that will seek heaven. And I don't know if, if you're into that sort of stuff. Maybe what I've just said is you're like, whatever. But 
But if we can find a people that will do that and just start seeking God more and more and joining together and praying, just, you know, stepping deeper into His presence, then, then I think it's not going to be weird. We don't have to be running. I'm not going to make you run around and uh, the walls of Jericho and, and shout the walls down. Maybe we will, but it's not the plan. Uh, we'll do what God says, but, but um, it doesn't have to be weird. But there's, there's people here like Daniel, I'm sure of it, that, that are going to be in the workplace influential people that are that are in your businesses you're in your everyday life but you're spiritual people in an unspiritual place the culture of the world daniel was the was the perfect picture of being in the world but not of the world perfect picture of that god has called you to do all you're called to do but he doesn't want you to to come along to the norm of an unspiritual place of an unspiritual culture he wants you to be a people of prayer that in the midst of that you can stay on fire for jesus that there's a passion on the inside for God to move, that you're, that you're reaching your friends, that you're an example to them, not someone that just comes alongside, that you're making a difference wherever you are. I believe there's Daniels in this place, all across this place, that if you would just take a step towards God in prayer and not be, well, pray another five and you will. Enter in to a deeper place, to a longer place. You have time. Jesus said, don't leave until you receive power. How long is until? Until, just pray. Just, these, I'm sure that those disciples were going to pray for as long as they needed. They were just there for the long haul. Why don't we stand up this morning? We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.